Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is your host, Chet Gray. We are going to be speaking to John Stallone in studio today. Uh, John has a very successful podcast of his own, Days in the Wild, that I'm sure many of you have listened to. He recently spoke at our predator hunting seminar, talking about hunting uh, different predators here in Arizona, specifically with a bow. He is a diehard archer and is very successful. If you guys have followed some of his content on uh, social media and on YouTube, I'm sure you've seen his videos and capturing calling in coyotes. And he is also a guide here in Arizona, um, very successful hunter. As we've said, this episode is geared specifically towards a new organization, a new company, a nonprofit that he co-created with his friend Charles called Howl for Wildlife. Um, Howl for Wildlife is basically a organization and a nonprofit that speaks on behalf of sportsmen and women so that our voices are heard. Um, unfortunately, we need our voices heard on a political and legislative level, state and federal. And we need to join forces so that our rights are protected, so that our lands are protected, so that uh, hunting rights uh, don't get taken away. We know that the Center for Biological Diversity and HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States, is always looking to take away more rights from hunters and ban hunting of certain species. And we know that if you give an inch, they will take a mile. Uh, John's going to speak in depth about how for wildlife, um, all the partners that have joined, how quickly it's grown, and everything uh, related to how we can have a united voice and a united front in order to tackle some of these issues. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet Gray. As always, my co-host, Mike Ornoski, is in studio today. How are you, Mikey? We are doing good. It is a beautiful day today. How you doing, Chet? We are doing great. Um, we have the one and only John Stallone in studio today. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Many of you know him from his own podcast, Days in the Wild. If you were at our recent uh, predator hunting seminar, you would have seen him. Or if you tuned in on YouTube, you got to listen to him speak about all things predator hunting, specifically uh, with uh, Bo. But we have John in studio today. How are you, John? I'm good. Good. Can't complain. John's going to talk hot. a little. It's very hot. <laughs> um, we all, some of us just got back from vacations. Uh, I was in New Mexico and Texas, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be with the humidity, but it was. It felt no different than here, so you didn't get a reprieve. No. I was in New York. It was actually beautiful. The weather was amazing. <laughs> I didn't want to leave. I knew what I was coming back to. Absolutely. This is not why we live here, for sure. 100%. No. Yeah, no. We, we, we dream about August and September all summer long and putting in for the draws, and that's about it. That's what gets you through, or, or if you have a pool in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, John's going to talk about uh, a few things, instrumental in starting Howl for Wildlife, talk a little bit about that, and we're going to segue into a couple popular topics that we hope you guys enjoy. But for the few people that don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself, John? Sure. Um well, like I said, John Stallone. I've been hunting since I'm five years old, and I'm 46 now, so better part of 41 years. Uh, I started bow hunting when I was 13, I believe, somewhere around there. And uh, 
I've been in the hunting industry and being paid as a professional hunter some way, shape, or form, either writing or as a guide or somewhere along those lines. Um, so since like 2001, I think was my first paid gig somewhere around there. Wow. And uh, I've been podcasting at Days in the Wild podcast. Uh, used to be called Interviews with the Hunting Masters. I've been doing that for 15 years, actually. Incredible. Uh, we used to only do, I used to release one episode a month for, uh, the hunting channel online, which I also, I own that company. Um, and we would release a podcast one and I did that for like six years for them. Then I took a couple year break and then in 2015, I brought it to like what you guys are doing, the traditional, uh, podcast on iTunes and so on and so forth. So, yeah, been at it for a while. I think I think on since 2015 to now, I have like 440 episodes or something like that. It's incredible. Yeah, we're just a duplicate. We're just a follower. <laughs> we're not even at 40, to, 40 yet. Yeah. We do. We try to do exactly. two a month. Yeah, yep. and it's a, it's a passion. It's a it's, lot of work. Man. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But yeah, fitting this in into in between our normal jobs. Um, but it. It's a passion, so we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. It's actually what the podcast helps me fuel my passion, I think, for hunting. Um, I need to be doing something hunting-related all the time. Yep. So it kind of, like, helps me, I don't know, fill the need, I guess. Oh, you, you know, When you can't be out in the field, you know, at least you want to talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. And but, we get to meet or at least have on so many different people right. that we may not, and you get yeah. to hear their stories, or you get to hear about a new state or a new unit or a species that you, right. you definitely don't don't target. Exactly. Uh, when you grew up in New York, mm-hmm. what the legal age or on private land you could go and go after, I'm sure, migratory ten. birds and, and uh, deer and whatnot. Yeah, l- legally it was, I think, 10, 10 years old. Actually, when I was born, I don't think there was an age limit. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that old, 46, but in the early 80s and late 70s, early 80s, I don't think they had a restriction, to be honest with you. And if they was, that my uncles <laughs> and my dad didn't follow it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, because my, my first memory of, of I, I actually started, I don't know what my first memory of actually starting to hunt, but my first, I, I say I started hunting when I was five. That's when I took my first deer. Actually. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. My my dad, uh, we had some friends that had a farm up upstate New York, and um there was this buck out there. He took me out that morning. You know, we, we put on our refrigerator orange suits and you know, trekked out in the snow and um there was this buck out there and we we snuck up to the fence line and we put the thirty five Marlin on the yep. on the First. fence post and he <laughs> held the gun and held me and I looked through the scope and he pulled the trigger and, oh, you know, great. so yeah, that was my first, which honestly, it almost scarred me. Uh, not because of the, because of the deer dying, but because of the gun, you yeah. know, oh, it was yeah. such a heavy kick and being so little. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a 35 that was a caliber rifle. At five dumb years dad old. moment. <laughs> yep. So Ugh, good but, stuff. Yeah. Did you go up fishing and anything outdoors? Yeah. Um, I did. A, it's crazy. Uh, I just got back into fishing a few years ago, but um, as a kid, I fished a crab ton because I lived on Long Island. And, yeah. uh, you know, we did a lot of 
we had a lot of uh, freshwater fishing and a lot of saltwater fishing. Obviously, you know it's Long sure. Island, tons of. So, um, yeah, all summer long, I would I would fish. We would, you know, if I would if I wasn't fishing, I was surfing or boogie boarding. Sounds like know. a pretty cool life as a young kid. Yeah, yeah. that is the life. Yeah, but I, I I mean, so I've been living in Arizona since 1991. I moved here okay. when I was like 16, just before I turned 16, actually. Okay. Um, so you know, my hunting and all that stuff changed quite a bit yep. when I came out here. Yeah, completely different world from yeah, there but to here. I go back east yeah. almost almost every year, especially since I got married. Because um, my wife's family's from eastern Long Island. Uh, I, I grew up in West Islip, which is like still considered like almost central Long Island. Uh, but eastern Long Island, there's a lot, lot of deer there. There's some deer in what, central, but tons of deer in eastern Long Island. It's where all the farmland is. Yeah. So it's where the Hamptons are. Lots of uh, the Pine Barrens are out there as well. Um, but since I got married, her family's from the Hamptons. We go back to visit them all the time. So, you know, we yeah. go back to visit and I go hunting. That's a great so, thing. That's yeah. a good thing. That's yeah. fantastic. And I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably not a lot of people in the Hamptons that hunt. Um, there's quite a few hunters out there, actually. But in the Hamptons themselves, like actual Hamptonites, uh, I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah. Let's talk about the how for wildlife. It's, it's sure. instrumental. Um, can you tell us what, what that stands for and how you had that epiphany and the, the idea to start this? Well, um, I'm not going to give myself all the credit for, I, 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 so let me tell you how it started actually. Okay. We'll, we'll step back. So I'll give you kind of a broader picture. Um, a couple of years ago, we, there was a bill in California, uh, to eliminate bear hunting completely. Yep. And, uh, my, my, my buddy, Charles, who is, uh, the, the president of Alpha Wildlife, he gave me a call and he's like, Hey, listen, they're trying to, you know, there's this bill. They're trying to get rid of bear hunting here. What can we do? And I'm like, well, you know, I've used change.org for a couple of things. Let's, let's try that. We'll, we'll throw it out there. So I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, they know a lot of people. Let's try to get it, get it going and try to get as many signatures as possible. Well, in five days, it, uh, and I don't remember the exact numbers now, but five days, I think it got 27,000 signatures. Wow. Unbelievable. And I think like $18,000 were donated. Incredible. To, but it gets donated to char- to change.org. It doesn't come, it doesn't come to the yeah. actual action, right? And people yeah. don't know that. And we didn't even know that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so after that was done and we won, uh, so in five days, the sponsoring senator of that bill just backpedaled and he was like, Hey, I don't want anything to do with this, (laughs) you know? So that bill died. It was great. Um, we're like, wow, there's something to this. So we tried it two more times. Uh, there was something, I want to say it was like a trapping bill in New Mexico, which we didn't, I don't think we got in fast enough. And I can't remember if we actually won that one or not, but then there was another one in, I want to say Montana, maybe. And, um, we won that. So we're like, well, there's something to this, you know, between these three bills, we had, look how many signatures we had. We had this much money donated. Like we need to start a change.org for, for hunting. And I 
took it upon myself to create, uh, tried to put together the technology to do what we wanted to do. And um, quite frankly, the site that I built uh, sucked. Okay. (laughs) That's the best way to put it. It just really was (laughs) terrible. And right about then is when like, you know, uh, the states were shutting things down because of COVID and all this other stuff. So unfortunately, and fortunately at the same time, Charles had a bunch of time on his hands because his business, um, he's in like, he has rock walls and climbing walls and uh, zip lines and stuff like that. So he was like shut down. So he's like, he's going to take a crack at it. So he, uh, just kept having meetings and I was, you know, you know, involved in it, but I was actually very busy at the time and he, uh, kind of developed it out to what it is today, technology wise. Um, but as far as the concept is concerned, yeah, we were, you know, incredible idea was somewhat mine, but you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a group effort and we've really, uh, between the two of us came out what it, what it is today. It's great, and it's very impactful. I mean, I tell you, it's, it's definitely a game changer when it comes to advising people what's going on and, and getting involved and kind of pulling the hunting community together. So, I mean, right. It's, right. It's, it was a great vision, and to see it now playing out, it's, it's really, for me to see it, it kind of was like, first I was like, what is this? And I was talking to Chet, and he starts to explain the details, and then we start doing research, and like, oh, my gosh, this thing is powerful. It is a yeah. powerful tool to to grab the attention of fellow hunters and outdoors people on a topic that, that we all need to get involved with. Otherwise we all kind of glass over it. We're not really realizing what's involved in it, but then yeah, you start reading what you guys are putting together and it's like, man, we can really make a difference for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think aside from it being a really good way to bring the information forward and bring awareness, um, we've basically made it, we created the easy button yep. for people. I think that was the biggest obstacle that we have we as hunters always face. You'll have, you know, other organizations would be like, you know, contact your legislator to talk about, yep. you know, SB two fifty two. Uh okay. Yeah. Where do I find out where this is? Yep. What do I say to them? Yep. You know, anything that's gonna take more than five minutes down the road for, for most people, unfortunately. It's good. It's, it's, it's just a fact. Ob- yeah, it's going to create an obst- yeah. obstacle that people are just not going to exactly uh, get involved. And so. we we talked about it on previous podcasts, and every hunter, I'm sure, sitting around a campfire, of the concerted effort of trying to stick together, having that voice. And there's always opposition. There's always, you know, hopefully you get that bipartisan of everybody having that collected voice because that. Like you said, you get that many signatures that quickly, mm-hmm. you are going to have an impact. And right. when they're up for election or even in a non-election year, senators and representatives see that and are like, well, uh, that was real quick and they got that much attention. Uh, and we, like I said, Mike and I have spoke to other people about it. And you have different opinions. You have someone that's concentrated on a specific animal or never, ever hunts out of state. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't impact them. Why do I care about trapping in New Mexico? Why do I care about wolves in Idaho? But it it does. does. And if the last couple of years hasn't shown anything, unfortunately, if you give an inch, they will take a mile. And we have fought it a couple of years ago when HSUS wanted to go after, you know, the big cats and 
then they're they're showing the the pictures of you know spotted cubs and jaguars and how majestic they are and they're like we don't have any links here and we have a controlled population that even with all of our harvesting on bobcats and mountain lions it is a healthy population yep. and the ocelots and the jaguars are already federally protected but yep. <laughs> like you said yep. for the same reason that a hunter may not take more than five minutes to hit the button to write a quick paragraph uh to contact their legislature most you know people that are seeing that aren't going to take the five minutes to do their due diligence and exactly. see that that's wrong information as well yeah we we've been we've been losing that battle as sportsmen for you know since forever disney came out with bambi you know yep. that that whole they know they don't have to it, it's very easy to uh, manipulate somebody emotionally. You can show emotion really yep. easy with a picture or with a quick video clip, but it's very hard for you to give people the facts and the details with the photo. Like exactly, hundred percent. You can't do that, and um, they've been operating in the mainstream media, and we haven't been. We've been recluse. You know, yep. we operate behind the scenes. We put animals back on the mountain. We, you know restore habitat we do all this other stuff that the general public doesn't see doesn't know about and when we do or when we have in the past try to talk about it we're we're easily shut down by the anti-hunters by saying oh you just do that because you want to kill more animals and it's it's a really hard thing i think for people to to um understand the hunter's paradox yep. and, and a lot of people may not even know what that is so that's the the idea that you love something but you're willing to take its life like you know you're you're you love deer you want to be a steward of deer but you hunt deer you'll eat deer you know people don't know, don't understand and they really don't understand that when you're talking about large predators because then you take the eat part of it out exactly. even though sure. a lot of us eat mountain lion a lot of us will eat bear you know yep. uh, and i say a lot i would say it is illegal because those are big game animals for you not to take the meat um yep. i just don't know if you can say that everybody enjoys those things i if you i've been really upping my my culinary uh repertoire and <laughs> yep. uh yep i i gotta say once I learned how to cook things and I came up with the, the, the recipes that or found the recipes, not came up with them, found the recipes that I liked and yep. whatever. The, wow. Those, those things are amazing. Like bear is amazing. Lion is excellent. Yep. So, 100%. um, you know, that's, that's something that comes back to, um, you know, educating the hunters on, on what to do and what to show people and, and trying to, uh, so, so we don't get pigeonholed as, you know, just this right. trophy hunters. Mike's an excellent cook. He always, uh, even after a long day of sitting in a stand or uh, spotting and stalking, if we're on a group hunt, he's always making huge meals most of the time for, for big groups, unless it's a big mentored camp. And he, you know, last year we were successful in harvesting a mountain lion and backstraps that night, and it was incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's, you know, put off and you're like, oh my Lord, it's, yeah. it, it's a big cat and it only eats meat. And you only, you know, you hear all the horror stories of how a grizzly or a brown bear tastes horrible because of all the salmon and all the, the different things that oh, they eat. Salmon is, though, that salmon does taint. If you're eating all <laughs> yep. salmon, you def- yep. definitely taste fishy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I had the opportunity to try some, but um, yeah. Once, only once. But yeah. that mountain lion was incredible. And, you yep. know, the bears, obviously, you got to cook to well done because of the trigonosis and mm-hmm. you don't want to get sick. So you got to get it to that high temperature. Right. You're not going to have a, a, a tenderloin off of a black bear that's medium rare or you you take the chance of getting very sick and having a stomach bug right right but like you said you know you experiment you you change different techniques or different uh change stories and uh, exchange those different ideas on how to to make a different dish and more palatable and I've mixed it. I mean, I've mixed it with regular hamburger to get the kids to eat it, mm-hmm. and they didn't know any difference. We're we're having you know ground beef tacos tonight, and it's half bear and half cow, so yeah, they go. didn't know, <laughs> and uh, yep. they didn't complain. You yeah. just cook it till you're well done, and you know, mix in your normal taco seasonings. And here in Arizona, that's a staple. So <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But what does Hal, um, kind of backtrack, and what yeah. does Hal stand for? And so actual how the the letters uh we came up with something i don't honestly don't remember but it, there, that is not the point that the point of how for wildlife is having of one voice like yep. like the wolf does you know and that was kind of like a a, a big thing where we we knew it was going to be an area of contention for people because sure on both sides because the anti-hunters have co-opted the wolf as their champion, you know, mm-hmm. it's true. But why can't it be ours also? Like, why can't we yep. be, you know, have use that a as majestic yeah, animal? Exactly that, and they are a pack-oriented uh, animal, and we want everybody to be yep. the same way. We want everybody to be a pack, and and really have a understanding and a concern for our fellow hunters. You know, like you were saying a little bit earlier about, um, you know, a guy on one side of the country not caring about a guy on the other side of the country because it seemingly doesn't uh, impact them. You know, wh- why should a guy who hunts whitetail in South Carolina give a crap about a guy in Arizona who hunts mountain lions? Like, yep. it's hard for people to draw that line. And for one... It sets precedence. Okay, so now there's, I don't think there is any mountain lions in South Carolina, but it sets precedence to lose lion, lion hunting in other states. Okay, but where the, the big overall picture is, we're all on a federal level, we're all putting money into the same pot. Exactly. And if you lose, let's say there's 2,000 guys here in Arizona that specifically only lion hunt that's their that's their jam that's what they do yep. and you lost 2000 hunters out of the out of the pool now your voice got smaller there's less money being spent and less excise tax being uh put into the kitty you know yep. so to speak into the pot and let's not fool ourselves the only reason why hunting is still around because it would be way easier 
to shut up the squeaky wheels to just say, hey, if I, let me wave my magic wand and get rid of hunting. The only reason why it's still around is because of, I say because of greed. That's the way I like to put it. But it's because of the money. It's true. Right? 100%. If there was a way, if they found a mechanism to do what hunters do with the funding that comes from hunting and from the value that is placed on the animals that we hunt, we would be eliminated. We, the, their hunting would not be around anymore. And um, so it's when, when I see these bills and stuff too that come across that are like, that hunters are voting for, oh, finally, yeah, the, the other side's going to finally be doing something for conservation. Like, um, I forgot what it was. It was recently. It was the um, something act. Oh, my God. I can't remember. Sorry, guys. But uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about it. The Anyway, there's a, there's an, there was an act put into place that would generate funds for wildlife conservation that didn't come directly from hunters. And I saw all these hunters were excited about it. Oh, finally, there's going to be more money coming in that we don't have to put up and da 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 And I started thinking, I'm like, this is like a... This double is like sword. A, yeah, it is. it's a double-edged sword because now you're making what you do a little less relevant and they're finding ways to replace your funding. Yep. If that keeps happening then you're not going to be useful anymore. Once you're not useful, <laughs> goodbye. Yep, it's true. I <laughs> you mean, know? look at the Game and Fish, 100% funded by us. Right. So if they were to get other types of money and it wasn't relying on us, could you imagine where their mindset would really go? Yep. I mean, right now there's a checks and balances that they do got to support hunters and fishermen because they know that they are 100% reliant on everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same exact principle you just brought up. It's exactly true. Because yeah. if they were just given all federal money and state money, there's no checks and balances for hunters. Right. They, then they catered to everybody. And, and we seen, all know that they have a bigger voice. The anti-hunters yep. are outnumber us probably eight no. to one no. at least. They don't. They don't? No. The we, anti-hunters are about one to one. We're about the same. Okay? There's like 5%. Of the population are hunters and five percent are anti-hunters. Actually, it's it's ten and ten. Excuse me, ten percent and ten percent. And the, it's the eighty percent in the middle that are non-hunters that we need to be speaking to. Makes sense. Okay. You know, yep. that, so that's that. Yeah, I was seeing like there's far more people that don't hunt. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Than that yeah, do yeah, hunt, yeah. but the antis that are vocal. Right. Yeah. I so gotcha. just because they don't hunt, they don't mean they're not anti-hunters. It's Correct. For the majority of the people, don't have an opinion one way or another as long as you're not doing something stupid, like running deer over and throwing them in the back of your truck or shooting them with yeah poaching yeah illegal poaching, stuff yeah exactly dumb stuff that's not not hunting. Um, yeah. So I would kind of lost my track here, my train of thought, but. What I was uh, getting at is the uh, what the anti-hunters have over us is they're way more organized. Yep. And they're more likely to go to a 
fishing game meeting. They're more likely to voice their opinion. They're more likely to contact their their um, legislator or whatever the case may be. The decision makers that are, are out of a bill. That's what we're. That's where we come in. That's where Hal comes in. That's where we want to. Yep. Like I was saying, we created the easy button because I think I don't think it's because hunters were lazy or anything like that. It's more like we keep to ourselves. Yep. We don't want to be bothered. Just let me be me. Let me you very know, much I'm, so. I'm not. I'm not an activist. So that's one of the things that we're trying to get people to understand. We like you need to be an activist and like oh activism. That word's like you know. Yep. You're you're it's a, taboo and in, yeah, in hunting culture. I, I've been called a libtard for saying that. And I'm like, you know what, man? Yeah. Like, listen, you have to be active. You have to be an activist if you want to keep this shit around. Excuse my French, sorry. Nope, it's true, but it's exactly true. <laughs> Sometimes you have true. to fight fire with fire. Yeah, well, and that's the whole thing. You know, we, we need to take a page, so to speak, out of their playbook yep. and and do what they're doing. They've been... There's another thing, and I, I don't want to be all gloom and doom, like, they have a pact. All the, and I say they, I mean, they have a multi-organizational pact that has money set aside. So I'm going to give this a, as an example because this is a very real thing that might occur. In Colorado, they went after bears, lions, and bobcat. And they had links in there too, like you were mentioning. Stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's already protected. Um. And we were able to knock that bill off, off the ballot, uh, or off. I don't remember exactly. It was in committee or something like that. We were able to knock that out, and we won. Hooray, we won! But now, there's a very good chance that that bill might be in the Senate. I think in November, and if it goes there, the this pack that I'm talking about, all they have to do is take whatever money they got, save the side to pump propaganda into yep. the, you know, the larger cities of Colorado and Denver <clears throat> and Boulder and whatever. Yep. And they're going to lose lion and bear hunting. The big voting populations that, yeah. that side with those decisions that have less hunters right. because they're more metropolitan. And they, and they won't understand. Right. Yep. Like I said, they could put a little 30-second clip of cute and fuzzy bears and, you know, evil hunters. Tiny stand, little black bear stand. cubs emerging from the den. Right. Exactly. Yep. It's so easy for them to do that. And, and, and for us to battle that, we would have to have, you know, a two-minute segment to explain, you yep. know, yep. This, is the, this is the reality of it. And it's it's... One, we don't have anything like that. We don't have the money to do that. Sure. We do. We just don't have it in place for it because our money all goes to, you know, building water holes and, yep. you know, habitat improvement and all this other stuff. But our legacy um, organizations, you know, your Rocky Mountain Elk Foundations, the bigger, yep. bigger, they don't have a pact between them. They're, no. They're all individual organizations that kind of just yeah. do what they do. And and unfortunately, a lot of what we're seeing, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a turnaround, but a lot of what we're seeing is that these organizations view other organizations as competition because they're all fighting for the same money to, yeah. to take care of their own yep. absolutely their own thing. So, yeah. They all do a good job of what they do. 
mm-hmm. and they all serve a great purpose. Most of us are all oh yeah, what long-time members or lifetime members of those organizations, but they're very necessary. If but. there was a mechanism in place that you could somehow have a pack like that, you know, you you look at it from a political activist standpoint mm-hmm. and and they pull that money together or they have um you know all the conservatives all the republicans and on democrat side both they all have their PACs, uh political action committees right that you can donate money to and it's targeted for one thing um or multiple things if they all agree on it but like you said if if a somehow that membership was able to just donate a percent, 1% of all that, and it right. went into a joint fund to help anything nationally. Um, but, you know, well, you'd have some people upset that that animal doesn't exist here or, you right. know, I'm donating money, but we're all together. you got to have exactly. that united you gotta voice. Have, you got to have that idea in your head that the guy, like I said, the same example, guy in south carolina is the same as me here in arizona mm-hmm. you know we're, we're all in this together yep but um and all just, those all those usually have lobbyists like safari club international rocky yeah. mountain elk foundation mm-hmm. mule deer foundation the big you know uh nwtf they all have lobbyists that are going to dc to lobby on behalf of that organization or behalf of that species but if you had a lobbyist or multiple lobbyists in D.C. and those respective states mm-hmm. that had that political background that knows what it takes to get things done in the House, in the Senate, and you're getting 1% from all across the 50 states and even outside if they're members, you know, people from outside of this country oh, well, come yeah, here to absolutely. hunt. And you had just, you know, you think 1% so small, but that compounded is huge. Well, let me put it to you like this. So in the United States, there's about 16 million hunters, okay? If 16 million hunters paid $10 a year specific for this pact, you would have, what is that? Incredible. Yeah. 160 million. Exactly. <laughs> and $160 million, you can buy airtime. You can create yeah. impactful, 100%. you know, commercials or 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 pieces that to get when you when you are faced with this situation yep. you, you every year and you you know you you might have some years you won't need it and it just sits there and it's yep. going to grow and then you have a bigger thing where you need to really make yep. a bigger stand um you know half a wildlife is small we, we in comparison so it's not something we can do now Definitely not what we can sure. do now. Uh, you know, we've we've grown quite a bit and have a, a very large following. Um, but in it's, anything, it's you got to crawl before you walk, right. right? Exactly. So it's our hope to hopefully get to that point. You know, it's our hope to get to that point in one, at, at yeah. one point where we can have something like this. Um, but you know, I know it needs to be done, but it's not something that it's not anything that can happen overnight. Just right. like you say you came up with that idea and you came up and developed some of the infrastructure behind the scenes Mm -hmm. during COVID. And then buddy Charles expands on it, makes it what it is today. You're learning, you know, through trial and error. And as more people see it or more people 
all it takes is, you know, unfortunately one bad thing to happen. And then sometimes it's too late, but then you see that united voice. You get one state and a lot of people out West go to, you know, wherever they go to Wyoming for that specific species, pronghorn say. Yeah. And if, you know, imagine if pronghorn got eliminated for hunting because uh, there was some voice that said, there's too many hunters. They're they're getting hit by vehicles because there's so many, Mm -hmm. but we, we want to take away hunting because we want to have X, Y, Z number of population. You got a lot of people that go there that doesn't require points to go to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as an example, a lot of people want to go there. They want to hunt that species because it's a state that has the highest percentage of them. And then it would have impact a lot of people. And then you'd start having people get upset because now it affects them. It doesn't affect them when they've never been to Florida to hunt alligator. But if you go there to hunt anything else, then now, now it's a problem. Yeah. So absolutely having that United voice. And I mean, imagine how impactful 10 bucks is nothing. That's a couple cartridges nowadays with the cost of ammo. Right. That's less than anything. Two gallons of gas. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Two gallons of <laughs> Not gas. Even. Not, Not even. even two That's true. That is Not true. if it's diesel. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's exactly true. Oh, I, I paid six fifty five the other day. Oh, oh my, my gosh. lord. Wow. Oh. That's for you know, for gas. For I have to I have to put ninety one in my truck because it's freaking turbo, but oh wow. But it's six fifty five. Yeah, two hundred and thirty six dollars to fill my tank. Unbelievable. Yeah, just, but that's another whole, whole, whole story. <laughs> that's going to oh depress God. us even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a whole nother thing. Yep. Uh, but no, if you think about what you were kind of the lines of what you were just saying, like, think about our archery deer hunt here. How many people come from California? Huge. If you right. hunt Southern Arizona in January and December, yeah. Oh my gosh, I would say it's seventy percent. When I well, I used to go down there when I was yep. younger. I wasn't even that much lo- that long ago, and I wouldn't see a soul down there. I'd be the only guy hunting. Yep. It's and true. Then it went from, oh, it yeah. just got, got crazy. So now let's say they take away hunting, which might be a very real situation with the way things are going with our archer deer season. It's true. Let's take that away. Think about how many people that that of that affects, that's, that doesn't even live here. Huge. Like, and you the know. economic impact of traveling. Yeah. Big time. So, all those hotels, everything, yeah. all those small towns that rely yeah. on that. I mean, we yeah. we love our tags being residents, and we we all get upset at, yeah. you know, well, the leftover but draw, but yep. it does help the state. Yeah. I would say it's seven out of ten trucks have California license plates in southern Arizona yeah. in January or down there. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it just blows me away. It's pretty nuts. But, you know, you, that's – it is what it is, and it's it, it, it in the grand scheme of things, it's we're all uh, it, it benefits us. It, it may not seem that way. Yep. It benefits us though. So nope, sure. Yeah. So well, we hope uh, you guys. Um, we're going to segue into a couple other topics, but how can they reach out, or what are the benefits? I know you and I have spoken so, in the past. If they join Howl, what are some of the benefits, and how do they join? Um, well, we have a free membership also, so you could easily do that. Just go there, sign up for a free membership. It's very simple. It's your name, email address, a little bit of other information. And and then you could take action on any, any of the actionable items that are in the, in the action center. So, um, 
there's that. If you want to become a just a straight Howlful Wildlife member, it's $30 a year. And with that, you get um, discounts uh, to, to go to any of our partners to purchase gear or, or items. Um, there's giveaways that we do once a month that our, our partners, our corporate partners give us, uh, you know, let's say, I, mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, sorry, but like we gave away a Stone Glacier pack last month or something like that and stuff like that where we give away those things once so a month. So how would like a CHA, so we just want to donate something like that, we can just donate to you? Or is there yeah. like a sponsorship from an organization or how does that work? So with organizations, we have some organization partnerships where, um, I mean, it really depends on what you want to do and what your commitment wants to be, but we have ways to, maybe I should probably, we should probably talk about this off podcast. I think I'll, yeah. I could get okay, a couple okay. of different. No, but I, I think but yes. CHA should definitely be part of that. Yeah. We're doing a giveaway or something. We so have sure. a couple of like, uh, we had some trapping associations and stuff like that came, came on with us. And, and what we do with that is we offer our, action center to you so like something comes up that's important to cha that um falls within our mission then we will help push that sounds good yeah like that. hit that easy button exactly um and then now we have the upgraded partner or excuse me upgraded memberships that we have are uh currently we are working with Go Hunt. Uh, there's several other companies that we're working with. We're just trying to develop the technology to make it all work, which is always a pain in the neck. But um, so with Go Hunt, they have Insider and they have Explorer. Explorer is just their mapping software. It's very much like the Onyx, but it has different features and it's a it's a neat system. Um, and then. Uh, there's their insider package, which actually includes the Explorer, which is, so if you're not familiar with Go Hunt's in, Insider, there is like um, draw odds, there's statistics and um, like planners and all this other stuff to help you obtain tags and help you be successful once you've drawn a tag. So, um, there, that program is $149, and you if you go to Gohan, you can spend $149 to get it. Now, you can come to Howlful Wildlife in our membership portal and purchase that same membership for um, for Gohunt within our portal, right? And uh, you'll get all the same features and benefits, plus they add a 15% discount to buy stuff in their store when you buy it from us. Plus, you get all the benefits that the Half Wildlife membership has. So that $30 uh, membership that you would get yearly just to be a Half for Wildlife member, you, you tack that onto the... Great. And so you basically get the two memberships for $149. You get uh, another benefit from uh, Go Hunt, and Go Hunt is donating... Uh, 50% of the proceeds of that to Halful Wildlife, which makes a portion of your membership that you would have paid $149 for uh, tax deductible. That's fantastic. 
So, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. That's, that's big having big corporate so relationships with the like that. We're going to be doing that similar program with a lot of different companies. I can't say which yet because they're not up and running. But that's great. Um, a lot of different companies that have a um, a digital type platform. Fantastic. Uh, and one of the things that we're doing, like, again, I can't talk to which organizations we're working with. We could do this as with you. I'm not with you guys sure. as well. Is um, so I want a CHA membership. What is your guys have? How's that set up? I haven't even. It's just like an individual, like 35 bucks. We are pretty cheap and right. expensive. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted a CHA membership and. I come to Halfa Wildlife and I purchased the CHA membership from Halfa Wildlife. Now I get the Halfa Wildlife membership and the CHA membership. Love and it. All for one discounted huge. price. Yeah. It's huge. I love it. Yeah, love it. We're, we're, I mean, that's how you build relationships between organizations. Well, that's, and, and that's the thing. Where that's we, how we had this, it. you know, ongoing um, theme of unity. Yep. And it's huge. We're really trying to hit home with people because I think it starts with us. Like, uh, yep. you know, we're, you may not think about it this way, but you're an influencer. You're doing a yep. podcast. People are listening to you. You're, yep. So when the companies that people buy from, the influencers that they look at and listen to on Instagram and podcasts, they download the content creators are all talking about unity. Yep. That everybody else is going to start understanding, seeing it. Yep. And because let's face it, hunting is a very, it's an individual sport, right? Yep. And I'm just like everybody else. I get pissed off when I get to a spot and there's somebody else there. Sure, right? if it's just part of it. And, yeah. and so it's very easy for you not to give a crap about the uh, your fellow hunter, right? Yep. And so it, yep. we need to kind of, you know, still have our, our niches and hold our, you know, honey holes tight and all that stuff. Nobody's telling you to, we got to go around yep, shows, exactly. you, but you have to have a mutual respect for each other. Yep. Um, you have, you have to understand that that guy is you, that that, or that woman is you, yep. you know, like yep. you, you guys are the one in the same, doesn't matter if they're a gun hunter and you're a bow hunter, if they're a lion hunter and you're an elk hunter, it doesn't matter. You're all the same. And it's very, it, it's very detrimental to us uh, if you don't have that mentality because that, that divisive or that division is, is what hurts us. And they, the other side knows it. They 100% know that. Sure. They capitalize on that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They know. And that was the reason why we rebranded to CHA. Right. Because we used to be Desert Christian Archers. We just were archers that represent everybody, but realize archery is very small in our world you know we represented all types of hunters you know no matter if it's waterfowl or you know or if you're a gun hunter your archery or you know crossbows and everything else so again it's that unity you know that was always our mission was that we wanted to be for everybody we didn't want to just be for one type of species or one type of group you know yeah it's, just, it's a powerful thing i think you guys are on the right path for sure because i know that's one of our visions we've always talked about that for 10 years is how can we unite all the other organizations and that was one of the driving forces behind the podcast was mm -hmm. make it universal, you know, tell everybody's story, you know, you know, just whoever wants to come on and have them tell their story. And that way people get to know about them and they can join with them, you know, for sure. Exactly. 
Yeah, no agenda on our part other than just to get the information out and let everybody share their their story, their passion, how they started. We did so many on the beginning, and we still do it um, on how all these different companies in Arizona impact wildlife or how they got started in their specific to the hunting industry in the state and right. archery shops or how they give back to the community holding, you know, youth events and whatnot. But Howl has that, you know, not global vision, but I'm sure in the future global vision of expanding to, you know, other yeah, countries. I think it is actually because we have already have. We, uh, we have several thousand members already from Canada. Wow. Uh, we got involved in some bills there that we, wow. we were very influential on and, and were able to progress in the right direction. So, um, yeah. That's great. That's, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And if they, is it howlforwildlife.org? Um, and do you have an Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, it's, uh, it is howlforwildlife.org. And um, the Instagram is howl underscore org, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I have to look at that. <laughs> awesome. Char- Charles runs the Instagram. He's the mad scientist behind all the... Uh, He's actually the one that prepares most of the um, of the bills, all the actions, and he takes care of a lot. He does. I mean, the guy burns it up both ends. So yeah, he's got great talent. I mean, he's he's definitely knows what he's doing. I mean, it's very professional. He, I mean, he's the, the research and how he presents it. I mean, incredible. He, he does yeah. a very good. So, job. like the research and stuff like that. Uh, just so people know. Um, we work directly with like the biologists or the experts in the field that are directly associated with that um, bill or that action or that whatever yep. we're working on. Good. And so that we're not coming up with the content. I mean, yes, we put it together. We, you know, yep. but uh, all the information that we're giving you, we want to give you the most most educational, most uh, pertinent information so you're, for lack of better terminology, armed with what you need to make Great. an informed decision. That's fantastic. And that's kind of when I've read it, and that's exactly how I see it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's you can tell there's a lot of time and effort. It's not just somebody copy and pasting information. There's actually knowledge and understanding of... Yeah, there's a lot that, that goes way. into it. Yeah, for sure. And, and to set them up is like... I mean, it takes some hours to, to even just get them set up in the, in the system. So, yeah. And seeing the information from other states, um, we, we already hit it. We're not going to beat a dead horse, but just being informed, period, mm-hmm. on what's happening in other states and seeing how it's, you know, they're going after XYZ law, but we don't have grizzly bears, but, you know, there's a, a big influence of keeping them listed on the endangered species or... Mm-hmm. Uh, federally protected and there is healthy populations that they could be still at good healthy levels and still be hunted yeah so it does impact people that want to go and and harvest a, a grizzly bear in the lower 48 if you've ever dreamt about it they are in you know idaho and montana and wyoming and especially in that greater yellowstone ecosystem they've expanded past that they're going to get kicked out they're going to have to oh, yeah. go and get different areas uh a boar is not going to let you know another another young boar whether he's the father or not have that same territory and it just keeps going and going and going just like wolves Mm -hmm. and those predators you know put 
a big dent on all of our hoof stock and all of the, you know, cervids, all those moose, all the elk, all the deer. And a lot of people don't understand that you have to have that equal balance. They can't have all the huge elk populations and tons of mule deer and tons of moose. Um, if you're going to have a ton of predators, it's, you know, two plus two is four and you can't have 10 predators and 10, 10 elk and expect all of them to survive and continue to have babies every year because it's just not going to happen. Exactly. So having that concerned, uh, concerted effort and having that unified voice is, is huge. Um, like we said, if anyone wants to reach out and become a member of Howl for Wildlife, you can get that on the website, howlforwildlife.org. Look them up on Instagram and Facebook as well. There's tons of information, and once you get on there and become a member, you'll be uh, given a lot more information on how you can have your voice heard in those other states, and then you can contact them. And if you have information re regarding your state that they may not have been aware of, you can put that on that on that table and on that forefront in order for it to be discussed and and have that unified voice. And lastly, John, you want to talk about uh, something that you've partnered with some of these uh, great organizations that have joined Howl for Wildlife, how we as CHA can further get that information out. Yeah. Um, basically what we're doing, we're doing this with you guys and, and several other podcasters. Um, I reached out to a lot of the friends that I had in the industry and uh, I had this idea. I'm like, well, you know, how can we continue to to grow the, the sense of unity and be able to um, get the message across to everybody that we touch, right? So what we're doing is once a month, I am producing a, um, a podcast episode that is specifically relates to whatever actions or whatever legislation that we're heavily involved in at the moment uh, through the Health Wildlife Platform. And we'll go into depth, like we're, the next one coming up here is we're going to be talking about horses here, and feral horses here in Arizona. We just did one that covered a few different um, topics, like uh, I think it was public land in Jersey, and we talked about lead ban in New York, and... Uh, the Houses Act, which affects everybody. And the Houses Act is proposed by a guy in, in Utah. And um, basically, it would allow states to transfer, transfer BLM land to the state. And that would oh. really hurt us bad. We would, lose a yeah. lot of, we would lose a lot of hunting opportunity. For sure. So these are the things that we're talking about in this, that, this episode, which you guys... Uh, we're going to put up will be uh will be the first one that you guys will be able to put up and um and have that out there so it's a neat program and i'm happy that you guys are on board with it and then i'm going to be sharing that with we call it the howl action center awesome and uh yeah so everybody look look forward to that um it's going to be a special basically a bonus episode uh you're going to have this one that you've just finished listening to specifically about what howl is um, what you get by joining it, how they are a united front and a united voice for all sportsmen and women and hunters alike. 
in all states and how they've had an impact on uh, getting banned certain laws that are negative against our uh, our cherished sport. And uh, this bonus episode, as John stated, will be from the Howell Action Center, and it'll be on our on our platform along with numerous other outdoor and hunting related podcasts. Um, and they're going to basically have that once a month, hopefully. And we will continue playing that as a bonus episode so that you guys can stay informed and get the information related to uh, those specific topics that are impacting us on a uh, political front to take away lands or take away animals or uh, different topics related to such. So we hope you enjoy this episode and we hope you enjoy that bonus episode. And as always, we end in prayer. Mikey. All right, Lord God, we just uh, we thank you, Lord, that we come together this day and uh, talk about conservation, Lord. And really, it's, it's exactly what we talked about today is how can we unite individuals, Lord, uh, to protect your creation, Lord. And we just ask right now, Lord, that minds and hearts and organizations would be open, Lord, to join in forces on a common good to protect the, the great asset of hunting and through the conservation of all the wildlife that you've given us to basically manage. So also, Lord, we just ask that you bless all the listeners, Lord, and we just thank you for allowing us to live in this great country that we call the United States of America, and we ask that you bless our military. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right.